So you want your players to put in the work this offseason, but how are you developing your coaching this offseason? Coaching is a skill to be developed. Nate, that was a tweet I sent out last week and some people seemed to like it and it got a bit of attention. And I think I posed an important question, which is how are we developing in an offseason as a coach? When I think back on my coaching experience, I think I was like most coaches. I, was, I tried to be intentional and develop. I would go to clinics. I would read books. I, I tried to, to grow as a coach, but there was one season, there was one offseason where I did something different. Uh, I actually signed up for mentorship, mentorship with Jamie Gilbert, who used to be at Train to Be Clutch. And I did a mentorship with him and some other coaches who are on a similar journey as me. We were looking to improve our tactics that season. We weren't looking to improve the way we taught the game. We were looking to improve our coaching, our relationships, and our team's culture. And that mentorship was so influential for me and was such a game changer for me as a coach that I have to be honest, it's inspired me to do what I do today with Thrive On Challenge, which is at the core of it is, is mentorship for coaches. And what was game changing about that group mentorship experience was that I was pushed, I was stretched like I had never been before. I had a group of guys that had a shared vision of the coach we wanted to be and the culture we wanted to create. And so that, for that reason, it was a more game changing off season for me than I had ever experienced before. You know, JP, as I look back over the course of my career and, you know, I'm going into my 18th year here in coaching, that's 17 or 18 off seasons that I've had to prepare. If you were to kind of graph my growth as a coach, so the x-axis just takes my career over time, the y-axis is however you want to quantify my growth and knowledge and you know expertise as a coach, that graph is probably pretty linear and pretty steady gradual improvement over the course of my career, with the exception of probably three or four significant off-season jumps that I've experienced where my paradigm has changed everything about what we do in our program or everything about how I approach coaching. And I've had probably three or four of those experiences in my career. And and it's those jumps in our development for you and I personally that we want to dig into a little bit deeper this week to try to figure out, are there some common characteristics to those seasons of the greatest growth that we've experienced? And just like you, you know, I've spent time at clinics. I've read a bunch of books. I've looked at a lot of videos and articles online. But there's a few characteristics of our experiences that we want to share with coaches today that are looking for an off-season to come that will maximize their growth in a way perhaps they haven't experienced before. Welcome to the Coaching Culture Podcast. I'm JP Nurbin alongside my co-host, Nate Sanderson. And every week in 30 minutes or less, we're giving you transformational leadership tools and strategies. This podcast is brought to you by Thrive On Challenge, which provides mentorship for coaches to help them grow as a coach and build their culture. You can learn more at thriveonchallenge.com. You're listening to episode 86, the keys to a game-changing off-season. So Nate, for our listeners, I actually want to start with this question that we were kind of talking about uh, before we started to record this, which is what would make you a better coach that has nothing to do with tactical or technical skills of your sport? What would make you a better coach 
that has nothing to do with the tactical or technical skills of your sport. And I think that's the question that we're really going to dive into today. We're not talking about how to improve your offense or your defense or those type of things. What we are talking about is how you grow as a coach within your ability to build a culture, strengthen your relationships, being a more effective communicator. All those type of things is where we've seen our biggest growth as a coach and we're really trying to encourage some of our listeners to be a little bit more intentional as they approach this offseason, right? Yeah, JP, I think that's exactly right. You know, and I, I would return to the tweet that you referenced at the beginning of the episode here that if we want our players to improve in the offseason, many of us will have conversations with them about their strengths and weaknesses as a player and where they should be investing their time to get the most amount of development that's going to help them to be able to play or have a different role in the following season. I don't know that coaches necessarily sit down and have that conversation with anyone else about their own coaching. Before we even get into some of the methods that have been really beneficial for us, I would really encourage coaches to kind of go through the same thought process of what are your strengths and what are your weaknesses as a coach? Or think about the culture of your program. Where is your culture strong and where is it weak? And in some cases, you may look at a strength and say, I'm really strong in this area, but maybe I'm not using it as much as I could be. And you start to dive into a little bit more of how can I leverage something that I'm good at to a greater benefit for our program. And in other times, you may look at areas where you're weak and say, how can I improve that area in order to grow our culture, in order to become a better coach? But without that understanding of your strengths and weaknesses, it's a difficult to start putting together a plan without some of that self-awareness. You make a really good point about how important it is to be intentional and to develop a plan for off-season development. I mean, what would we think if our players literally just scrolled through Twitter, found some really cool-looking drills that sounded like that would make me a better player and did that that day? And the next day, they scrolled through Twitter, found something else, and just started plugging and playing that. We would think that was ridiculous, right? Because there's such a lack of intentionality and purpose behind what they're doing. And so as we approach our off-season... We need to put together a plan that's going to address some of the areas that we really want to grow in. Now, I think that's really challenging because we live in this information age and we can get flooded with so many good ideas out there, whether it be scrolling through Twitter, listening to this podcast, right? We can we can fire hose some coaches here with some of our ideas. And I think weeding through that is really, really challenging. But you have a pretty intentional way in how you develop your off-season development plan as a coach why don't you share a little bit with our listeners what that looks like? First thing I would say is that, as I mentioned before, there's got to be a little bit of reflection in terms of where do you want to grow. And that, for me, is informed by exit interviews with players, exit interviews with coaches, my end-of-the-season review with our athletic director. In a lot of ways, I'm trying to get kind of 360-degree feedback here just to have a better understanding of my own strengths and weaknesses coming out of the season to better inform where I need to improve as we go into the off season. So I, I would begin with that. The other thing that I've learned over the years is that I'm not really capable of having significant growth in more than one area in an off season. Um, and so for me, as I take in some of that information and I think about my own strengths and weaknesses, oftentimes I'm choosing one subject or one particular area of our culture, our program, that I really want to improve before the next season begins. And then I start building my my plan or my approach from there. Well, and this deep dive is is nothing really original, though, because, you know, I, I haven't mentioned 
my favorite John Wooden in a while, but John Wooden would always, every offseason, say this is one area where I'm going to learn as much as I can. And he would go around to other coaches and he he would really try to learn as much and read up on that one subject, that one topic, uh, and, and, and really try to have significant growth. And I think if we try to go too many things, we spread ourselves thin and we don't actually see any 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 change or any any growth in our in our coaching. So definitely love that. You know, everybody likes to post or ask on Twitter or even at clinics now, you know, hey, what are you reading? What are the best three books a coach should read? You know, like it, it doesn't take long to get a reading list of great books that all have great information, but it doesn't mean that all those books are for you. And so if you start with a purpose or a topic or an intention, it, it provides a filter for that fire hose that you talked about before of trying to figure out what information is most relevant to where I'm trying to grow versus arms wide open, just just hit me world with everything you got and then hope that you can sift out what matters out of all of that that's coming at you. Yeah, and it's so easy to get caught up in the hype around certain books um, or the latest coach and their latest strategies and to just start to jump around. And so that's why we have to be so intentional with our plan here of what we're focusing on and be intentional about how we go approach this deep dive. Now, there's a couple ways that we can do this deep dive. Nate, what are some of the ways that you've done it? For me, that deep dive has taken different forms over the years. So, for example, when Brad Stevens got hired by the Celtics, you know, I'd watched the NCAA tournament and sort of followed Butler from afar, but I didn't really understand how this coach from a mid-major school could be at the top of Danny Ainge's list, you know, to fulfill this job at the Boston Celtics. So when he got the job, I found every book I could find on Amazon. I ordered, you know, three or four books. I watched every speech and press conference and whatever I could find on YouTube about Brad Stevens. And I just wanted to get a better understanding of what is it that made this coach and his approach so unique. So it wasn't necessarily that I chose a subject like discipline or working with parents or building my culture in a specific way. I was just sort of infatuated with this coach, but I wanted to understand more than here's how he built the program at Butler, but what really made him tick, you know, understanding him as a player than as a coach in the college now in the pros and see if there's anything that I could take from that to be able to apply to our program. And I've done that in a couple different teams. I've done that with the Patriots. um, And sometimes that's one book leads to another leads to another. And, you know, again, it's looking for common themes of things that I could apply to my situation based on maybe a more broad topic or person rather than a specific topic of study. Yeah. And I think that, you know, you don't always have to just read 20 books or six books on one topic. Sometimes it can be just taking one really, really good book. You know, for me years ago, it was Burn Your Goals that lit this spark of just really uh, of, of seeking out mentorship. Uh, Inside Out Coaching was a very influential book that I always recommend to coaches is if you were to read one book, what would it be? Often I think it's that book. Um, and it's re- a large part of why I wrote my book, Calling Up, is I wanted this one book that I needed years ago in this moment to help me transform my coaching. And and I try to piece that the book together in that way that it could be the one book you read this off season that could just help you to transform your coaching, right? So you don't always have to read six books. And for, the, for those coaches out there that aren't big readers, sometimes it's just reading one book, but it's how you read that book. You know, and you talk about the way you read them. We weren't just reading and consuming. You're, I know you, you're taking notes. You're thinking, how does this look in my context? I mean, you're you're taking concepts of Brad Stevens, the Celtics and, and the Patriots, and you're looking at how to apply them to high school girls basketball. That takes some thought 
and some intentionality. And I think that's a great point, JP. You know, what you're really talking about here is the difference between acquiring knowledge, whether it's about a person or a program or a particular subject, and applying that knowledge to your context. You know, I think about last summer, the biggest influence over our program last summer was the book, The Culture Code by Daniel Coyle. One of the reasons that we did a four or five parts, you know, series on it for this podcast. But when I read that book, it wasn't just, oh, this is a great story and this is a great idea and underlining, you know, all the things that I thought were really brilliant, which was much of the book. But it was really going back through and thinking, how would I implement building connections in our community or building connections with the parents that I'm working with or building connections, facilitating connections between our players. And what we actually ended up doing was going back and completely building our summer camp schedule. Like everything that we did at our high school summer camp was based on some of the things that Daniel Coyle talked about in that book. And so it wasn't that I read a bunch of books last summer on building connections, relationships, and culture. It was taking that one book and thinking about how can I layer in these principles into everything that we're doing this summer and into the coming season. So Nate, you mentioned the Culture Code, which is a great book. And for those listeners that have it, that's actually episodes 53, 54, 55, and I think 58 and 59, where we dive into um, really how to apply the Culture Code within your program. And so coaches can kind of skip out on actually reading the book and get some of our takes on that. But I think one of the big things when I'm reading a book is I'm very, very intentional in my note taking, you know, and whether it's I'm listening to an audio book, I'll actually make little clips in it. Like if you're on Audible, that you could actually make notes. I'll go back into it, listen to those parts, write some notes down. If I'm using ebook or actually a physical, physical book, I'll underline. But I always go back over that book, kind of take all my notes and I put them into a program called Evernote, which is free on your computer. And that actually, that process of just kind of going back and re- reviewing my notes is just honestly sometimes just enough to kind of, re- as you've looked at the whole book, say, okay, what does this look like within my program? And how can I apply this within my program? How, for me, how can I share it with some other coaches in a way that could help them? And so I think that that's a really valuable process. Don't just read it, don't just underline it and stick it on the shelf, but actually to go back and write some notes down or Maybe write, you know, I've seen um, some coaches, they'll take and they'll write out like a one page of how to apply the culture code this season within my program. I've seen coaches do various activities like that. Now, another recommendation that I have for coaches when it comes to growing the off season through maybe reading books is actually to do a book study with your staff. Now, I think you could buy a book, hand it out to everybody, say, read it. We'll talk about it in August and have a discussion and sit down over a meal and I think there's some value in that, but I think if you really want to get a lot out of it, I think it'll be a little bit more intentional, whether it be reading the culture code or inside out coaching. And there needs to be some sort of uh, follow up along the reading. There needs to be some some questions through the process. There just needs to be a little bit more intentionality in how you start to frame that conversation, that meeting or meetings when you're discussing the book. And it comes back to kind of how I wrote and why I wrote my book calling up is because I've got a lot of coaches that have bought it for not just themselves, but their staff this off season. And I've built in these accompanying coaching guides where they help to facilitate those conversations so that they're really productive and intentional about how we take the ideas that are presented in this book and how do they best suit our program. And I think that that's a really powerful way 
for us to go beyond just reading ourselves, but to actually have our staff be a part of that discussion. JP, I think the underlying principle that we're trying to communicate here is that there's greater growth when you're doing it together. When you're in a group, whether it's your staff or it's your coaching peers or your friends or whatever, people that know you, that know the context that you're coming from, maybe they understand a little bit more about the culture of your building or of your school, of your team, that are able to, from the outside looking in, push you a little bit more, stretch you a little bit more. You talked about having that experience with Jamie Gilbert at the beginning here, where there was growth and challenge that you would not have experienced if it wasn't for somebody on the outside giving a perspective on how to grow and how to change your culture. And one untapped resource that I think sometimes coaches miss out on is having conversations with coaches that are not in their sport. I mean, sometimes as a basketball coach, you go and talk to other basketball coaches in the offseason, and everybody likes to draw stuff on the board, and everybody likes to talk about their offense and their defense and their set plays and their out-of-timeout plays. And, you know, you can get consumed with a lot of the X's and O's. And there's value in that. But when you talk to a coach from another sport, a volleyball coach, a soccer coach, a football coach, tactics and techniques aren't really relevant. And so those conversations are a lot more about what are your best practices when it comes to building relationships with your players? What are your communication strategies during the season to communicate with players or with parents? Uh, what are ways that you organize you know, your schedule? I mean, there's a million different things that I have conversations with other coaches in our building about that have nothing to do with the tactics of a sport. And I think sometimes we just silo ourselves in our specific sport and miss out on opportunities to grow from coaches in other sports. And so at Thrive on Challenge, we're really excited about something that we're putting on this summer for coaches of all sports in the mountains of Park City. And it's we've got a limited number of spots out there. We're opening up two spots to listeners of the podcast. And it is not a workshop. It is not a clinic. It is a very, very special experience that we're trying to create for coaches. And what we have planned is not a coaching conference, but from July 22nd to July 25th, we're going to spend three days in the mountains talking about how to be a transformational coach in a transactional world. And essentially, we have three goals for our time together here. One is to provide coaches with experiences experiential learning that they can do with their teams when they get back to build their culture. Our second piece is going to be talking about how our brains work to create emotion in order to better understand ourselves and also to understand the players that we're coaching, the parents that we're interacting with, even your administration that you're working with. And we have a better understanding of the brain. We can build those relationships much more intentionally. And finally, if you're wandering down this journey of wanting to become a more transformational coach, you're going to encounter resistance and you're going to go through some challenges. And we want coaches to be able to come together and be able to build a support group for each other that our experience wouldn't just be limited to those three days. But we want to build relationships that will last to be able to walk together on this journey towards becoming a transformational coach. If you're interested in being a part of this experience, what you need to do is just click on the link at the top of the details of this episode or at this week's newsletter uh, to get more information about it and connect with Nate and I. Now, one of the great benefits of having this support group outside of your context, uh, kind of just talking about this is maybe remember a story of my time working with Jamie Gilbert and uh, that mentorship group. And there was a, I was really trying to be more intentional about how I developed positive relationships with parents uh, from my, that's what I thought from my perspective. And I remember reading 
uh, the Maffini Manifesto. And I, I, for those that haven't read it before, uh, Mike Maffini was a professional baseball player, and he started coaching his his kids, little league baseball team. And he wrote this kind of two-page document he handed to every parent out there, essentially the rules of how to be a parent if they wanted their kid to be a part of his program. And there's a lot of good advice in there for parents, no doubt. And so I said, you know what I'm going to do is I'm going to create my manifesto to give to my parents to tell them how they should behave when they're if they want their kid to be a part of my program. And I spent hours on this and I thought it was a great idea. And I'm sure that if I had presented it to the coaches who were that were my assistants who were in my context, many of them would have probably nodded and said this is a good idea and thought that even it was a good idea because they were also part of that emotion of some of the conflicts that we were experiencing. But instead, I took it to my group and I showed it to them thinking that they're going to be like, oh, this is great. And what I got was kind of crickets at first and then some questions of, so how do you think that they're going to respond to this? And 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 they started to walk me through this. And I all of a sudden, I started to realize that, that this manifesto that I was creating was actually going to send the totally wrong message of what I was actually intending. And it wasn't going to actually build positive relationships with these parents. It was going to build more walls and barriers. And I don't think that I would have ever come to that realization had I not had somebody outside my context that was willing to speak truth into me in that way. As we get ready to wrap up this week's episode, we're going to leave you with just a couple practical ideas of ways to attack your off-season development. One of the things that's been really beneficial for us over the years is to to really target one thing in our culture or one thing in our program that we want to improve. So, for example, it might be our parent meeting. We spent a lot of time kind of trying to innovate new ways to engage parents at our parent meeting. And that was really the focus of an entire offseason for us was trying to figure out the best way to improve that piece of our culture. Right now, going into my third season at Linmar, we are focused 100 percent on freshman orientation. How do we help our freshmen go through that transition from middle school to high school and understand the requirements and the expectations of not only being a, a high school student, but being a high school athlete and all the expectations that come with that? Being able to target one thing and engaging your staff with that is a great way to piece by piece improve your program year in and year out. So I think the off season is also just a really great time for us to experiment and try new things out, uh, whether it be on the relationship building piece, the culture building piece, you know, for instance, um, you know, just even implementing a competitive cauldron. I know there's a lot of coaches that have reached out to me in the last few weeks of, you know, I really want to implement the competitive cauldron. You know, what's that going to look like for me in season? I'm like, well, why not try out if you have some off season stuff, why don't you try out some different systems, some different, you know, little rewards or postings of it and see how the players react and use this as kind of your training ground to implementing that. So whatever it is that you're trying to implement in your culture for the upcoming season, maybe find some ways to do some small implementations this off season so that you're not only that you kind of can see if it's working or not, but your players can kind of get a feel for it as well. And one final thought, JP, I really think it's important for coaches to look at the off season as an opportunity to strengthen the relationships they have with their players during the season things get busy. You're watching film, you're doing pregame. Players are stressed because of playing time and competition for starting spots. And sometimes it's hard to find moments or hard to find time just to have conversations with players to get to know them better. But in the summer, a lot of those time constraints and a lot of those pressures don't exist. And so before an open gym, after a workout, in the weight room between sets, 
those are great opportunities to get to know your players better, to get to know more about what's happening in their lives, um, and to be able to maximize that time so that you have better connections with them when the regular season rolls around. Yeah, Nate, for a lot of our college coaches out there, you know, I've, I've, I've had some experience with some college coaches in the offseason that they've had to be really intentional about how they invest because players are not on campus, they're not in their location. And so they've done really creative things between writing letters to weekly calls or biweekly calls to check in on them. Even book studies in the offseason as a team has become a really popular thing with some of the college teams that I work with. So there's ways, whatever level you're at, um, to find ways to maintain and start to continue to build and nurture that connection in the offseason. Now, for all our coaches out there, we've talked a little bit about the mentorship and our retreat this year, uh, this summer in Park City, Utah. So we have links in the details for this episode. If you're interested in the retreat or if you're interested in mentorship, uh, Nate and I are looking forward to talking with you.